Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Hi, I'm Dr. Ken Sullivan. You know, the subject of heaven is usually limited to funerals or when someone is facing terminal illness or death. Because of this stigma of death and sadness, most people don't like to think about heaven until they're forced to, but that's a mistake. Did you know that God commands us to think about heaven more than we think about life on earth? We're told to set our affections upon it, to realize the reality of it, and to make it our treasure. We're told to comfort and encourage each other with words from the Bible about heaven and our future life. So, my mission today is to remove the stigma of sadness from heaven and help people to think joyfully about it. In short, I want people to comfort themselves, to encourage themselves, and enjoy thinking about heaven and eternal life just like it's presented to us in the Bible. Now, this seminar touches on the high points of my latest book, Teach Me About Heaven and Eternal Life. The book is Bible-based, with over 100 Bible references that present a picture of what heaven is like. I condense all that information down to about an hour in this teaching seminar. All the information I share with you in this seminar is Bible-based. So, in essence, what we'll be engaging in is a Bible study about heaven with pictures to help our imagination. So let's jump right in and get started. Since all the people who are now in heaven got there by dying, with the exception of Enoch and Elijah, of course, let's begin with the subject of death. What happens when a Christian dies? Well, the Bible is very clear about this. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We will not be spirits without bodies. We know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and through 8. There are four important points from this uh, chapter of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. First of all, the body is the house for the spirit. Our bodies give our spirit, give life to our bodies. Our spirits animate the body. So the Bible says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And the Bible uses this example of the body being given life or enlivened by the spirit. So we know that our uh, body is the house for the spirit. Secondly, from this passage we see that at death, a Christian spirit leaves his body and goes to heaven to be with the Lord. The spirit does not sleep or roam the earth as ghosts, but the spirit leaves the body and goes directly to heaven to be with the Lord, if that person is a Christian. 
When the spirit is gone from the body, the body is just a shell. It is the remains that is left by a vacated spirit. The Bible teaches us that at death, the spirit of a Christian leaves the body and lives on in heaven until the body is resurrected at the return of Christ to the earth. So there is no pause. There is no time that the body is dwelling or the, or the spirit rather is dwelling upon the earth. After the uh, cessation of the body, the spirit goes directly from this earth into heaven if that person is a believer. Now, if being a spirit in heaven disturbs you, there are some things that you need to realize. First of all, realize that God is a spirit. John chapter 4, 24 tells us that. Yet, God can manifest himself in form. John chapter 5, verse 37 tells us that. Moses saw the form of God, according to Numbers chapter 12 and verse 8. So, God is a spirit, but God is able to take even human form, and God uh, manifests himself in various forms. Also, we know that angels are spirits. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Um, as a spirits, they can take on human form, they can eat, they can talk, they can see and hear, they wear clothing, they have pleasure, they have joy, and they have power. The angelic beings are very powerful beings. On one occasion, God sent one angel, and, and he destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. So the angels, though they are spirits, they are alive and they share many of the characteristics of human beings, only they are superior beings. So uh, being in heaven as a, as a spirit um, is not something that should be uh, frightful to us. Uh, and we, we go to heaven for a while and then uh, down in the future we will be resurrected. Our bodies, of course, will be resurrected and we'll talk about that in just a minute. They are far more intelligent than mortals are. Uh, there is an example in the Bible in the book of Genesis where God and two angels approached Abraham and they came in human form. These angels were dressed in clothing. They talked. They walked. Uh, they even ate with Abraham before they went on down into Sodom and, and Gomorrah. And later, uh, the two angels destroyed uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So we get a picture of there of, of the angels as spirit. So um, if being a spirit in heaven during this interim period between uh, the dying of our bodies and the resurrection of our new bodies bothers you, then it, then it shouldn't. Uh, being a spirit is a natural state in heaven until the time that our spirit reunites with a resurrected glorified body. Now, the Bible suggests that there are strong similarities between a person's spirit and body. The human spirit in heaven and in hell have form that is strikingly similar to the human body. Jesus shared the after-death story of two men, a lost rich man and a saved beggar in Luke chapter 16. 
The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 20, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. That's Luke chapter 16 verses 22 through 25. So we see here that there are similarities between their human bodies and their human spirits. Note those similarities. First of all, both men were conscious and alert and aware after death, just as they were conscious before death. Both men were able to see and hear and speak and feel after death, just as they were able to see and hear and, and speak and feel before death. They had their senses in place. One felt pain, the other felt pleasure in paradise. Both men had fingers and tongues. The uh, wicked rich man wanted uh, Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool his tongue, which, which suggests that uh, both men had fingers and tongue, tongue. Both remembered the past and anticipated the future. The, uh, it's not included in our text today, but the rich man in hell wanted uh, Lazarus to go back and warn his brothers not to come to that terrible place. So he anticipated in the future that his brothers would pass away as he had passed away and join him there. He wanted to avoid this. So he was able to anticipate what was going to happen in the future. The poor man was a believer. The rich man was not. Both men left their bodies, but ended up in very different places. Angels carried Lazarus to paradise or Abraham's side, which today would be heaven. The wicked man went to hell a temporary place of torment. Also in the book of Revelations, uh, the apostle John, when he saw a vision of heaven, he records what he saw in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. The Bible says that John saw people who had died and yet were in heaven with him in human form, wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, and praising God with their voices. So you can note the similarity between the spirit of a person and the body of a person. That in heaven, in every case where there is a mention of a person's spirit being in heaven, there are similarities between that person after death just as before death. According to the Bible, a Christian's best life is after death. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, he said, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. He says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. 
but for your sakes it is better if I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow. So Paul essentially says that death is better than life for me. If I live, I'm going to continue to do the will of God. I'm going to continue to minister, to teach, to preach, to, uh, to lead churches, and to do all of the things to write that he was doing on earth. But he says, but to leave this uh, body, to leave life and go on to heaven would be much better for me. It would be better, in fact, Paul said, by far. Another important point that I want to uh, emphasize here is that we will know each other in heaven. That's a question that's very often asked of people. Will we know each other in heaven? And, and, and uh, some people uh, rationalize the idea of not knowing each other in heaven because it would be too painful to know who came, who, who actually made it, and who didn't. But the Bible suggests that we will know each other in heaven. Here's an example in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says, I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. This includes other Christians and Bible characters we've read about. An example of this, knowing those who have passed on, is given to us in the book of Matthew chapter 17 and in Luke chapter 9. On the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured before their faces, the apostles Peter and James and John saw and recognized Moses and Elijah who had been dead for hundreds of, hundreds of years and whom they had never seen before. But they instantly recognized these men as they were conversing with Jesus, possibly, possibly about his upcoming death. So we see that no one told them who these men were they just instinctively uh, was able to recognize them. Now, let's talk about what is heaven like? What heaven is like? Heaven is an unspoiled paradise. Uh, very often people think that there are, uh, heaven is this nebulous place where uh, uh, there is no uh, solid material. There is no material there, it is not tangible. Nothing there is tangible. There is just this misty um, environment, this gaseous form, and everything is, is in the form of, of a gas or, or, or transparent. But nothing's further from the truth. Heaven is an unspoiled paradise with trees and flowers and mountains and streams and birds and animal life, angelic beings and people. In fact, uh, the earth was modeled after heaven. Heaven is a world with one law, the law of love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 10, love does no wrong to anyone. That's why it fully satisfies all of God's requirements. It is the only law you need. So in heaven, uh, the only law that constrains or compels us is the law of love because people in heaven have been perfected. Once we pass from this life as people of God, uh, all of our sins, all of our faults, uh, they're buried with us. Uh, but our spirit is, is made free of these things 
and we are made complete and perfect in God. Proof of that is in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, speaking to uh, a Christian, uh, the Christian readers, about something that is much greater, much larger, much grander than themselves, the writer says this, You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. So we see emphatically written that once we get to heaven, we will be made perfect. Uh, partly because our sinful flesh will be left behind, but mostly because we are the redeemed and God will finish what he started in us. As the Bible says in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6, He which had, who had begun a great, good work in you shall complete it in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we get to heaven, God will complete in us what was lacking at, in our character as far as sinfulness is, is concerned. We'll be free from the, the ravages of sin. We'll be free from the temptations of sin and the failures of sin. We will be perfected. In heaven, even before we receive our resurrected bodies, we will be perfected in heaven. And now since there are no lawless people in heaven, there are no laws to restrain them. The Bible says that, uh, or at least suggests to us and implies to us, that the people in heaven are not governed by laws, but by love. So people in heaven are open and free uh, people in heaven, everyone that we meet will be of goodwill. People in heaven experience love from everyone they meet. There is complete openness and complete honesty and complete goodwill. Imagine a world where there is no sin. Imagine a world where there is no jealousy, where there is no hostility, uh, where there is no envy, uh, where there is no greed. Imagine a world where everyone is family and everyone has the goodwill toward everyone else. Everyone else, every person wants to advance or, or to assist uh, the person who is next to them, their brothers and their sisters in Christ uh, as much as themselves. So heaven is a place that we look forward to, to being at as a place of freedom it, it is a place of, uh, of joy and a place of complete release. Life in heaven is free of fear, worry, anxiety, suspicion, jealousy, resentment, malice, distrust, or any of the things that plague us here on earth. In heaven, we are free. Everyone in heaven is, is completely free of the things that restrain uh, all of the things that hinder here on earth. There is joy and pleasure forevermore, the Bible says, in heaven. In Psalm 1611, the Bible says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Heaven is a place of joy and laughter, fun and excitement. Laughter is one of the greatest expressions of joy. 
So there is a great deal of laughter in heaven. Very often uh, on earth we get religious and we get a little bit too serious and we take our, ourselves too seriously. But in heaven there is joy, there are celebrations, there is laughter, there is enjoyment of life. Heaven is the highest form of life. Jesus wants us in heaven with him. He prayed, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me. That's John chapter 17 and 20, verse 24. So Jesus has the earnest desire to have us with him in heaven to enjoy all of the blessings of heaven without all of the problems that plague us here on earth. In fact, he wants us with him so much that he was willing to give his own life, give his own blood on the cross. And the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The joy that was set before him, the thing that motivated Christ to endure the agony of the cross was having us with him in heaven and allowing us to see his glory in heaven and seeing the wonders of heaven, of sharing that. You know, um, my wife and I, um, we led a, a school. Actually, we founded a school here in Indianapolis and we operated it for a number of years. Um, um, urban children, and many of them had never been outside of Indianapolis. We took them to places that they never would have gone to. We took them to Florida. We wanted them to experience what it was uh, like to, to experience 80 degree weather in January. We took them to New York and they uh, saw ground zero and they were able to go up in the Empire State Building and and to see the Statue of Liberty and to enjoy a Broadway play. We took them to various places that they never would have uh, been able to go to, places we had seen, things we had experienced. But it took on a, a whole new form of enjoyment when we saw their expressions as they uh, took in the marvels of the things that we showed them. It was our desire to, to allow them to experience the the wonders of the things that we had seen. That's the heart of Christ. He wants us to be in heaven with him because he's seen all that he has created, but he wants us to see it, and he wants us to enjoy it without being plagued by sin. And that's what's waiting for us in heaven. The wonders of heaven are awaiting us. Now, God is so good that sometimes... He protects his people by calling them home to heaven. And from our perspective, we look at a, uh, a Christian who may have died young, and, and we mourn, and we think what a shame that they had such a short life. But sometime God knows what is going to happen in the future, and he takes a loved one home. And uh, the book of Isaiah 57, verses 1 and 2 says this, Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. God is protecting them from the evil to come. For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. Again, that's Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. So heaven is such a wonderful place that sometimes God will 
uh, take a godly person to heaven when they're young. Uh, it seems to us that they died young before their time, but knowing that there is evil ahead, God will mercifully sometimes take a person out of this world on into heaven. Now, let's talk about the resurrection of the dead. Now, we know that when we die, our bodies go back to the dust, but our spirits, without losing consciousness, goes directly into the presence of God in heaven. Uh, and we wait in heaven until a future time when Jesus Christ will come back to earth and resurrect the dead bodies, bring them back to life. And the Bible tells us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It says this, and I'm reading in the New Living Testament. But since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then we who are still alive will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So the Bible says that those who have died will rise from their graves. But the Bible also says that when Jesus comes back, he will bring back the spirits of those who have died with him. How could both of those uh, verses of Scripture be true? Well, uh, the body goes to the grave, the spirit goes to heaven to be with the Lord. And at the time of the resurrection, the Lord comes back and he brings the spirits of those who have died back with him. They come back with him from heaven. He instantly recreates the body that is in the ground. Now, the body may be in a grave. Uh, the body may be in the ocean. The body may have been cremated. But God knows where every atom and every molecule is. And he takes from that uh, body and somehow he wondrously recreates that body and makes it into a glorious body. And then he comes with the spirits of the saints. They re-enter the body that they left on earth that has now been recreated and glorified. And they rise from the earth to be with the Lord in the air. That's a wonderful thing. We don't understand all the details of it, but the Bible gives us the simple facts of the matter. Our resurrection is directly linked to the resurrection of Christ. Jesus will bring with him the living spirits of all the believers who have died. God will then again recreate their dead bodies and each spirit will re-enter, reunite with the body, and rise from their graves into the air. Jesus Christ was the first one to rise from the dead with a glorified body. Certainly there have been people that were raised from the dead, but they, were, they died mortal and they were raised mortal and they died again. Lazarus was one of those. Uh, uh, Jesus' friend, the brother of Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus raised them from the dead, but he died again. But Jesus was the first one to die uh, and to rise again with a glorified, resurrected body that is 
the kind of body that our bodies will be modeled after. Next, all the living believers will be instantly transformed and rise to meet Christ in the air. After this whole process takes place, and the Bible says that this whole thing will take place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It will be like the snap of a finger um, when the spirits of those who have departed comes back, re-enters the body, and rises up in a flash to be with the Lord. Now, when Paul mentions saints in their graves, of course, he means the bodies that were left behind, not the spirits that went to heaven. There are some who teach soul sleep, and they teach that our, our spirits rest in the grave with the body. Well, that's an impossible thing because uh, after so long a time, uh, the body goes back to dirt. The, uh, the bones, even in time, will go back to dirt. So the body, the spirit is not encased in a body in the grave. The spirit is living, it's alive, and it's in the presence of God. Only the body falls away and returns to the dirt, and then it'll be brought back, a glorified body. Now here is a wondrous fact. Some Christians will never die. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, we will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. That's first. Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53. And again, I'm reading in the New Living Testament. So, there is a generation of people who will never endure death. Those who are fortunate enough to be alive when Jesus Christ returns at the time of the resurrection, they will be going about their business. Those who are believers in Christ, those who have accepted Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, those who are, are uh, following, those who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ will instantly be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain, those who are alive when Jesus comes again, will be transformed in a flash. We will be going about our business, and suddenly a transformation will take place an instant change will take place. We will be transformed from mortal to immortal and caught up to heaven along with the rest of the saints. And this is referred to as the rapture of the church. Speaking of the resurrection, Jesus said in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26 again. So Jesus says that he who believes in me, though he is alive, when I come, he will never die. And those who believe in me who die will be resurrected from the dead. So we have the words of Jesus Christ 
that some will never die. Some, there will be a generation of believers who will walk this earth and never experience death. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. But however it happens, whether we go to be with the Lord through the, through the tunnel of death or whether we meet the Lord by never having to die, in the end, we all have the same fate. Those of us who are believers will be changed, will be transformed, will be made like Jesus, and we will live forever with him in an immortal state. Now, going way back in the Bible, the old patriot Job in the Bible understood the resurrection, and he looked forward to it. In Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, the Bible says this, and I'm reading in the New Living Testament. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. After my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. Now, Job lived way back around the time of Abraham, scholars believe, early in human history. Yet he understood the wonders of the resurrection. He lived with the anticipation of dying, but rising again. He understood that the process of death and decay had no power over his body, he understood that even though his body might go back to the dust, that in his body he would see the Lord. He understood that even though his body might break down and decay, in his body, what body? His resurrection body. Job understood that God had the power to resurrect a body and uh, to make that body immortal. And so Job is looking forward to living beyond death and living beyond the grave. So we have this wonderful future ahead of us. We don't have to fear death because the Bible tells us that life in heaven is better than this life here on earth. We cling to life because it is natural, and I believe that that's the way God made us. But God doesn't want us to be fearful of death. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ took on a human body so that he would take the, the fear out of death. For all of those who all of their lifetime had been subject to the bondage of the fear of death. Because Jesus Christ came and died and rose again, knowing what our future is should wring out some of the fear of death. And as we look into the scriptures and we uh, contemplate our future, we should look uh, forward with joy. We should look forward with peace and anticipation of the time that is coming ahead of us. In our next segment, we'll examine what our bodies will be like and what the new earth and the new heavens will be like. Thank you for joining me. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast.